This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to the Liverpool.com podcast, or more importantly, the Liverpool.com Summer Premier League draft. It's Dan Morgan, Matt Addison, Joel Rabinovitz, and making his Liverpool.com debut, our new staff writer, James Martin. Be sure to head over to the website to check out James's work, which is already on there and building up. Um, I'm enjoying it all week. And I hope you're all well, gents. So, yeah, the premise is um, a summer draft, which was Joel Rabinovitz's idea uh, a couple of days ago, where we thought, right, what if we had a draft? Because after a year of Super Leagues and everything else, anything is now possible within the Premier League. So what if we devised our own for Liverpool? Uh, the rules are as follows. Each writer gets to pick five signings of their choice. Only players from the bottom 12 of the Premier League can be selected. Um, we'll include the three new promoter clubs for the purpose of the podcast and for this particular exercise. Each pick must not exceed a current transfer marked value of over 50 million. Picks must include at least one defender, midfielder and forward, which is just thrown out my choices because I completely forgot about that one. Um, each pick must be unique. So once a player is selected, no other writer can take them. A point of order on that one, Joel has already done his picks and they are, by the time this goes out, on the Liverpool.com website. We'll not reveal them here and he'll go through them with everyone else. But if you're wondering why certain players aren't being picked, then it might be because Joel already has them um, and he's already claimed them and therefore uh, are his to enjoy throughout the summer. No more than two players from one club is the final rule. Um, I will furiously try to redo my picks. Can I just have here, <clears throat> if we're saying it's got to be one defender, midfielder and forward, if I've got a goalkeeper, can I have... Yeah, you can class that as a defender, I think. Can I? Yeah. Thank you, everyone. I really appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> the draft pick order has been done. Um we're not going to give you a klaxon, unfortunately, because we don't have one. Um, I should have asked Guy for one on production, but there you go. We're trying to save. Um, it's been a tough year. But what we will do is we'll go round in the, the order of the picks and and then back again in that same or reverse order, I should say. And we'll do that for five rounds. So by the end of this, we'll be left with the bottom 12 of the Premier League, who we have all picked for Liverpool based on valuation, based on what we think uh, their suitability is and based on no other than the fact that we like them as footballers. Um, so, round one picks and the first pick goes to you, Joel, if you haven't. I'm going to go first for Rafinha of Leeds. Um, quite an easy one for me, really. Every time I watch Leeds this season, I've been hugely impressed with them in general, um, but in particular, Rafinha, I think he's... I think he's great, really. Um, so easy to see how he'd fit into the Liverpool team. I think he mainly plays wide right, but he could probably play wide left. Uh, extremely quick on the break, really good dribbler, very creative. His, his um, expected assists and key passes and all that are kind of right up there in terms of the best Premier League wide forwards and, and wingers. So, yeah, really, really easy pick, really. He's only 24 years old as well, so I think in terms of the age profile Liverpool usually go for. It's quite easy to see how over the next few years he could be kind of doing a similar thing to what Jota's done since he's come from Wolves 
and take that next step up. Um, and yeah, obviously leads to an extremely hard working team off the ball as well. So I think it kind of ticks all the boxes really. So yeah, that was my first one. I have a couple of Liverpool worries about him, I'll be honest. Um, I think he opens up a massive Harvey Elliott question, first and foremost. Um, and I also wonder, he's one of those players where I wonder whether he'd fit into our system. And almost by virtue of the fact that he does a lot going backwards, I just wonder where we play him. I don't know whether he would suit us to sort of salad understudy because he plays on the right for leads quite a lot. I just have a couple of reservations about him, but he's obviously a fine player. I mean, we are without Mane and Salah for at least a month of next season, and that's without even factoring in injuries. I also think, as much as I'm excited about Elliot coming back, to suddenly kind of pin him as the the automatic first one in when one of the front three are injured. I think we need to kind of take a little bit of pressure off his shoulders. I think Rafinha's at a much higher level already. Um, I think it was six goals, nine assists um, in his first season, the Leeds. So, yeah, I, I think he could play either side in the front three. And yeah, especially for that sort of January, February period, we're going to need more attackers, definitely. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Harvey Elliott is winning the Ballon d'Or in the next two years, Joel, just so you know. Oh, um, <laughs> Matt, you're next up. Who are you having? I am going to go for Eves Basuma. Um, I don't think he's on Joel's list, and I was slightly surprised, to be honest, that he, he wasn't. I think he's a, a player who's impressed me a lot. He's obviously being linked with Liverpool because I think he is quite a, a close, stylistic match to, to Gini Wijnaldum. I don't necessarily think that Liverpool have to replace Wijnaldum like for like and get somebody in who's a similar player. I think you can go about it in a couple of different ways. But if they are going to try and, and replace him in a similar sort of way, I think Basuma being a Premier League proven player, somebody who's got used to it, he's at the right age. He's playing for a club that, that press and, and do similar things to Liverpool, albeit on a slightly different scale. I just think it, it makes a lot of sense. I think he would cost a fair bit of money. Um, I, I don't deny that. And Again, similar to the Mane and Salah worry, he'd have to, to go off to the AFCON in the middle of the season. But I think there's uh, a lot of, of things to like about him. And he, he's just a player that I like watching, to be honest. I think, to be honest, I think that the midfield area was the, the hardest to sort of pick out of these these positions. I think there's a lot more forwards. There's a couple of defenders that I quite like. But to me, Yves Basuma was really the only one that, that kind of stood out really in that centre of midfield. I'm not sure where transfer markets some of these values from. <laughs> 15 million? Believe Basuma. Bargain. I mean, I don't know. They might be stuck in the side might be stuck on like two thousand and two or something. I don't know. It's um it's it's a funny old valuation the way they the way they mark it up. I don't know where they get it from. Um Yves Basuma is obviously a player linked with Liverpool, Matt. He's he's um somebody who in in sort of journalist circles who are well trusted in recent weeks has been dismissed. Um, apparently by Liverpool as being a target for the summer. Do you think that's a bit naive on Liverpool's part? Um, well, I think Liverpool certainly know far more about what they want to do. I think if if they weren't to go for Basuma, I think it would be a case of going for someone slightly different. I think, as I say, it's a, a similar sort of profile to Wijnaldum, but I don't necessarily think you have to, to go about it that way. I think there's 
sort of an attractiveness to going for maybe more of a, a goal scoring midfielder, maybe sort of replacing Wijnaldum in terms of his, his numbers and his body, but doing it in a, a slightly different way and, and bringing in somebody that Liverpool don't already have. There's, there's maybe an argument that Basuma is similar to, to someone like Naby Keita, for example, in the way that he would play. Obviously, Keita, we know the issues in terms of, of fitness and stuff like that. But yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it was naive to, to not look at him. But I just think, you know, that there is certainly a player there and a profile that's that's proven. Again, you'd have to, to pay a fair bit of money. I think you'd probably be getting maybe close to, to £40 million for him in the summer. Um, but I do think he's going to move somewhere. And, and if not Liverpool, I think it would be a bit of me thinking they've possibly missed out a little bit. OK, James, first choice. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get away with Basuma somehow, so he's gone. <laughs> um, but that does allow me to to make my debut with a, a fitting pick, which is Danny Ings. I've, full disclosure, I have a massive Danny Ings agenda. Absolutely love the guy. Would love to see um, a return. So, yeah, I mean, there's as well as the emotional pull, there is a lot of reasons for it to make sense. He's, he's well-versed in the pressing style, of course, both under Klopp and then he's moved to a heart and hurtle system. So it, it's much the same in that respect. And over the last two seasons, his record is, is ridiculous, really. He's, he's managed uh, 40 goal contributions in the last two campaigns. Obviously, a lot of that came last season where he just went mad. But equally, considering the injury record this season, he's put up some very respectable numbers. So, yeah, um, again, I'm not sure where the transfer mark values are coming from, but the fact that he's allowed, I'm going straight for him. Is, would, would we end up, do you think, with the same problem of Ings being a player who needs to play needs momentum we've seen it with the likes of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain this 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 season and ultimately just finding that he's scratching it at bits of minutes here and there or do you think there's something that's changed from the time he left to now that would maybe allow him more game time yeah well it's definitely a worry but you have to look at when Ings was last here and Firmino was in his truly sort of undroppable form yeah um, I still think Firmino's played a big part uh, in the last campaign he's still doing a lot of good things but you can't ignore the fact that the output has dropped off significantly. Equally, will Klopp finally start looking at maybe a 4-2-3-1 with Firmino in that, that kind of attacking midfield position, in which case maybe there's a way you could accommodate them both together. So, yeah, I think... And also, you have to look at Ings as a player himself. He's evolved as well in that period of time. So you're getting a more rounded article. So I think it would be easier to, to give him those minutes, which, as you rightly say, he would need. Okay, um, three big players gone. My first choice is going to be James Ward-Prowse. Um, I've gone full. Sir Alex Ferguson, Charlie Adams corners are worth £10 million alone with this choice. Um, he, his numbers from, from delivery, from set pieces, from, um, from progressive passes are just ridiculous. And I think there's, there's every chance that the likes of Shakiri leaves the summer, maybe one or two more. And I think we might just have room for a for a war prowse type player um in the squad who can who can deliver on that sense. I mean I think it's it's worth noting as well just how, how much Liverpool have missed um their their threat from set pieces this this season. And you know if they are to to bring in Canate, if they are to get Virgil van Dijk back, if they're to to get that threat back, I think a player like him, um, as what I would call a, a de facto sort of Shakiri replacement, um, I would have no problem with at all. He's valued at 27 million on transfer marks. He's stagging, staggeringly only 25 years of age. He is a player who I have seen since around 2002. 
I'm sure I've seen him on on 1990s versions of the Premier League years. He's been around that long, seemingly. Um, but uh, he is available and he is someone who I've taken from Southampton. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's back to me and uh, I'm going to go with what might be seen as a slightly controversial choice of Nick Pope um, for 13 million. I think it's an absolute no-brainer. Uh, we're talking on the day of recording this about Liverpool giving Adrian a potential contract extension. Um, and whilst I've got nothing against Adrian, I think the the ghosts of Aston Villa will never um, will never sort of leave me or seemingly anyone else in the Liverpool squad. Um, if Keith Callahan is going to go out on loan, I would say in a normal world, in a non-COVID world, in a world in which Liverpool's Revenues continue to grow. This would be, I'm not saying Pope, but I'd say a goalkeeper would be something they'd be really considering this season. I think as it is, I think financially they probably just had to take a bit of a compromise in this area. But I think Pope is is um, a, a, a perfect number two. Uh, I think I'd have no problem with him playing in a, a few Champions League games if it was right, but definitely in the domestic league games, uh, domestic cup games, sorry. Um, and, and I'd have no problem with him if Alisson, who is susceptible to the unlock, let's not forget, um, was ever out. So I'm going to take Nick Pope for 30 million. Uh, back to you, James, for your second pick. Yeah, I have a feeling I'm going to be leaning heavily on my sort of reserve list here because I have Pope jotted down as well. So I like that pick a lot. I, I think with him as well, there's just that that fact that he's got that kind of elite club profile, even though he's he's playing at Burnley, like his starting yeah. positions are high. He's good with yeah. the ball at his feet. So yeah, I like that pick a lot. Uh, but I can't have him. So I will go for Luke Ayling as my my defensive mm-hmm. pick from Leeds. Um, Trent Cover is basically the thinking here. Um, he's, he's a more defensive option than Alexander-Arnold, but the fact that he's not really had that many attacking returns is more just the fact that players haven't finished them off rather than him not putting in the balls. The expected assist numbers are perfectly respectable. Obviously, he wouldn't really be pushing for a place ahead of Trent, but it's a really it's a danger area. I mean, we've seen with him picking up the knot for England, it just brings it home that we could really do with another out-and-out right-back as, as cover in the squad. And Luke Ayling, for me, would be a, a good stylistic fit. Luke Ayling, a really good shout. Um Progressive carries I noticed before, which was something um, we, he was really high on. I think he was the top in the Premier League this season. Um, so you know, I think that's a that's a massive um, attribute that Liverpool would ordinarily look for. I mean, given what I just said about Pope and, and whether Liverpool might have to make some compromises this summer, do you think a right back will be on the the agenda for them or a, a replacement slash cover right back? Um, it's not going to be high up the priority list. I think you're probably right. It, I mean, I suppose you'll be looking at the severity of the Alexander-Arnold injury. Hopefully it doesn't necessitate diving into the market. But uh, yeah, I think if there's if there's a, a budget option who ticks a lot of boxes, then I think it's the sort of thing that, that Michael Edwards will be looking at. But, but no, I don't necessarily expect it this summer. But, you know, it's a draft, so I'm taking him. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Matt, over to you. Yeah, again, similar to, to Basuma, I can't believe uh, that this player hasn't come out yet, but I'm going to go for Pedro Neto. I think he's uh, a wonderful player. Um, similar sort of thing to, to Diogo Jota last summer. 
In fact, I think I've written it myself before this season that, you know, he'd be one to, to look at as basically a backup option to begin with, but with that high enough ceiling to, to kick on and, and become one of the front three in the next two or three seasons. And I think he was injured towards the the, the latter part of the season. I think he missed uh, the last few games. I think he might even be missing for, for the Euros for Portugal as well. But uh, I think that there's such, you know, such a talented player in there. There's a lot more that you can get out of him. I think similar to, to Jota, I think he can make the next step at, at Liverpool. And again, it's not going to be a cheap one, but I think, you know, the quality and, and the talent is there that he could just come in and you know you, you could easily see him coming in to, to replace a, a Shakiri or an Origi and instantly it's just a, a huge huge upgrade for me. Come on give us a transfer mark value about four million or something. Uh, I haven't actually looked but I'll have a quick oh, uh, Matt, you, might be, uh, you might be in breach of rules here. I know it's it's definitely under the uh, the thing. 31.5 which there. doesn't sound that far. I reckon he'd probably be around the forty mark, which is what we paid for. Jota. I think it'd be very similar to Jota. Yeah. yeah, he went. He was. He was quite in vogue mid-season, I'd say, as a, as a potential target this summer. But a lot. There's not been any real sort of tangible talk, and it's gone quite quiet on him, hasn't it? I think it's just the injury. He's. I think he might even be out until next calendar year. I think I read that is a really bad one. So, uh, I think if he'd been fit, then definitely a lot of clubs have been taking a look at him this summer. Indeed. Uh, Joel, next one from you. Yeah, um, so, I mean, I'm looking at Liverpool's front three and I've already picked Rafinha, who was my kind of exciting pick, player I most enjoy watching um, from sort of that part of the league in the season just gone. Um, but in terms of, I think if I was to pinpoint one area that I think Liverpool really need to strengthen, I think as we referenced Firmino's numbers dropping off and the fact that he still has a role to play, um, but that might be further back as he moves older. Um, and I know he ended up on nine goals in the end, which is not too bad, but he did go through a run of around close to 20 games about scoring at some point, which for a centre forward is an issue. I think Jota can do a job through the middle in certain games, but it all feels a little bit samey when you've got him and Mane and Salah and they all make similar kinds of movements. So I look for kind of a centre forward really. And uh, I've gone for Watkins um, is the one who stood out. I think he's just been fantastic really since he's come to Villa um, his movement is brilliant um, he, he's kind of a he's an all-round forward I think he used to play as a, as a bit of a winger as well so he's he's very good on the ball good dribbler but he makes runs in behind extremely hard working he comes out really high on, on kind of tackles in the final third and pressures as well um, and yeah I think he obviously helps the homegrown quota he's around 25 26 so sort of just coming into his prime and I think I'm right in saying he started every single game for Villa last season, or if not, he missed maybe one. Um, but he basically didn't get injured and played 90 minutes in, in almost all of them. Um, and he ends up on 16 goals, all comps, 14 in the league, which is pretty good going and probably would expect that to increase um, next season. So, yeah, I just I think Liverpool could do with a little bit more of an orthodox focal point um, for certain games uh, next season. And... Yeah, from all the strikers kind of in the league, I think for the purposes of this, yeah, he stood out. Is he? Is he? Has he been different to what you thought he would be in his first season of the Premier League? He he almost looks like he's become more physical at Villa, um, mm. which is a funny thing considering he played so long in the Championship. He wins a lot of headers as well. He's only like yeah. five foot ten, five foot eleven. He's not not a huge player, but he's he's pretty good in the air. Um, and I think the thing that's impressed me most, I think, 
you look at the spread of his goals. I know he gets the hat trick against Liverpool in was it the fourth game of the season, but kind of thereafter his goals, he, he does have a few kind of periods where he's not scoring for a few games at a time, but they're pretty evenly spread out. He's not going through a massive. You often see that with players who come up and they'll they hit a purple patch. I remember when um, Timu Pukki for Norwich when it looked like he was going to win the Golden Boot for the first couple of months and then basically just stop scoring. And that's often what you see when players come up the league. Um, and Watkins has just been pretty consistent throughout, really. Um, and yeah, the, the fact that he doesn't get injured as well is is a massive plus. Excellent. Back around to you, Matthew, third choice. Yeah, um, it's a difficult one. There's a few different ways to go, I think, for me with this. Um, but I'm going to go for a, a similar-ish pick to Ollie Watkins. I'm going to go for Patrick Bamford. Mm. Um, and the reason I'm going for him is I think he is for me the closest thing to Roberto Firmino apart from Roberto Firmino in the Premier League in terms of his all-round play obviously he's got the goals this season I think he ends the season with about 16 in the Premier League which is you know a really good total for, for somebody even at Leeds I think they finished ninth in the end but to get that number of goals and as I say his, his all-round game I think would would suit Liverpool He's working a lot, lot harder than what he did earlier in his career. I think he's spoken openly about that, about obviously coming along under Marcelo Bielsa in terms of his pressing and his, his sort of work ethic, I think has, has come on a long way, which I think would make him fit in at Liverpool. I think there's, there's the argument that he's too similar to Roberto Firmino. I think he is a kind of samey kind of player. But I think for, for me, I think he's sort of done a, a Firmino-ish type job this season, but with the goals as well. And I think that just sort of tips it in the balance for me. Yeah, he's, a, he's another player who feels like he's been around forever, doesn't he, Bamford? Um, I suppose he's one of the few in the Premier League, Matt, I'd say, who would offer Liverpool that alternative option in attack. He's not in the mould of Liverpool's front three, I'd say, and, and I wouldn't say that as a bad thing. I'd say as as a potential alternative um, in terms of how you would set up attack, look to maybe penetrate from the bench. You could offer Liverpool something massively different, couldn't he, as you've said? Yeah, I think for me, he, he's a similar-ish player to Firmino, but again, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily sort of set up in, in the same kind of way. You could maybe have Firmino and Bamford together, maybe in more of a 4-2-3-1 type thing. I think he is... He's versatile enough to, to do a couple of different roles within that number nine. I, I don't think you'd really see him playing out wide. But yes, yeah, certainly as an option off the bench, if you wanted to to just freshen things up, get another quality option up there without necessarily that dropping off a huge amount, which we've not necessarily seen with Liverpool this season. I think you could definitely do a lot worse than Patrick Bamford. Absolutely. Uh, James, third choice from you. Um, yeah, so I, I probably should have resisted this one, but I, I can't. I can't believe it's still available, so I'm just going to hoover him up. Uh, I've gone with Sam Maximin. Um, I don't necessarily think he's the most Liverpool player out there. Um, he'd, it would take some moulding from Klopp to get him to work in the system, but he's so exciting to watch. Uh, any team benefits from having him in there. Um, yeah, fulfills that that cover role for the wings in a more natural way than someone like Rafinha in the sense that he's direct, he's quick. Um, yeah, it'd just be a really exciting one to see in the Liverpool shirt. Um, uh, well, maybe we could see a kind of Mane-esque improvement as well. So he's he's kind of got the quality, but not the consistency right now. But maybe making that step up to a bigger team, we could see him really kick on and become world class. 
He plays through the middle as well. I think a few games for Newcastle, he, he literally could do any position in the front three. Yeah. I do like him. He's had, he's had a few injuries as well, I think. Um, the only worry, really. But he's, yeah. yeah, he's kind of like, I don't know if anyone's going to pick a Dharma, so I won't steal that. But he, he's similar style, but I find like he's he's got better decision-making when he gets into the sort of key areas. Yeah, and I think a lot of his absences this season were kind of long COVID related as well, which obviously That's should, true. Be, yeah. should be a sort of one-off thing. So hopefully not too much of a worry on that front. Yeah, it doesn't look like he's lost any of his, his pace either from from those absences. Um, very, very good at sort of starting from deep. And I was really impressed at Anfield, how he was able to sort of carry the ball and get Newcastle just 20, 30 yards up the pitch in a really intelligent manner. He could even draw a foul when he needed to. He looked really, really mature in that sense. I think he's a fine pick. He was on my list. I'm going to have to scroll, scratch him off now. Um, right, my next pick, um, similar to you guys, I'm not sure how he's still on here, but I'm going to take him. Uh, it's Ben White. Um, toss up between Ben White and Ben Godfrey, to be honest. I've been really impressed by Godfrey, but I think White just um, is slightly ahead of him in terms of passing in terms of um, his passing ability and his penetration. Um, and I think with White, I think he potentially solves a little bit of right back for you if you need to. Um, I think he's predominantly a centre-half, but I think that there is a little bit of Joe Gomez in 2017-18 about him that, that you could sort of have filling at right back if needs be. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he's a fine player. And... Um, I think he's he's quietly going under the radar because he's sort of overly mentioned, if you like, as as players who could move to certain clubs at certain times. But I don't think he's had a, another bad season by his standards. Where I think maybe one or two who were a bit in vogue last season have, have maybe dropped off a little bit. But I'm going to take him. If anyone has any thoughts or objections on that, please raise them now. He can play midfield as well, can't he? I know he's one that's kind of been talked about for England as a possible centre-back holding midfielder type option, which I think could be appealing. I think certainly if you could, if you were missing Fabinho, for example, and you didn't have to bring Henderson back into that position or you didn't have to, to play Thiago there, that would be a, a useful thing. And again, English, the only thing I would say is he's going to be a, a huge price tag on his head. I think they turned down, what, 35, 40 million last summer. You'd imagine yeah. that's only probably gone up 12 months on. I mean, luckily for us, he's going to be about £3 uh, <laughs> on this game. Um, let's have a look. £25 million. Snip. Absolute steal, Matt. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Back to me. I'm a bit stuck here. I don't know. Either one aren't going to sound great, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I've left myself in a bit of a pickle between three potential forward players and I need a forward player. Um, and I think two I'd get absolutely panned for and one would be all right, but I don't think he's going to suit us. So I'm going to go full full wild card, full picking a player up from Hull who's just been relegated type situation here. Um, full what, what are you even thinking about him for? But I'm going to take Gineppo from Southampton. Um, I, I think he's got potential. I, I think he's been another one who's been unfortunate with injuries. I think I don't think Hassan Hutel fancies him. And I think tactically, the way they set up doesn't really suit him. 
But there's something about him which I think at 22, um, a winger who plays on an opposite side and comes in on a stronger foot. I just think there's a little bit of of Michael Edwards about him that might um, that might put a glint in the eye if they could get him cheap enough. That I would ne- not necessarily be totally against, to be honest. Um, I'll let you know my other horrendous picks at the end, uh, and I'm sure none of you had him on your list. But I'm going to take I mean, him as a forward option. One goal in 27 last season. I mean, that, no, that's going to take some significant <laughs> improvement to it. Uh... I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. But I don't think, again, when I look at him, he's not someone who I can recount in my head as missing like a million sitters or is really sort of guilt-edgedly bad in front of goal. I just think he's not getting and creating the opportunities he should. Uh, and I think he does have he does have quite a bit to offer. So I'm going to rescue him from his Southampton nightmare and um, and make him a Liverpool hero. Um, James, back to you. Yeah, I mean I'm in a similar position, but with midfielders, sort of, sort of left scraping the barrel because I've seen Basuma and then Ward Prowse pass me by. <laughs> so, um, uh, but I still need one. So my third choice was was John McGinn from Villa. Again, I'm not sure I'll have too much competition for him, but. I do like him. Um, decent age profile, very similar to, to Ward Prowse in that respect. And it's just a case of you could really do with someone filling that Vinaldum hole. And he does do a lot of the similar work in that kind of blend of defensive work and also the ability to get forwards when the opportunity presents itself. Uh, and of course, he'll be a mate for Robbo. So should hopefully settle in the squad okay with the, with the Scotland um, chemistry going on there. But, but yeah, I mean, it's very much my third choice pick in that position, but I wouldn't mind him. I remember making a case for him in one of these podcasts about a year or so ago because I'd read that he played like a few games at left back somewhere. He's very left footed and that was at the point I don't think we'd signed Simicast. So I thought, well, a guy who can do bits in centre mid, maybe a little bit of full back. And he's I think I've read as well, if you've seen the um the FB ref scouting tool which like compares the closest players, he and one Aldum I think show up as each other's closest matches. So I think yeah, okay. you're onto something there. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess it's um, it's handy as well that he's played a couple of different positions just for Villa this season because it's kind of dependent on whether Barkley's been in or not. So he's played mm. further forward and then he's played as the deepest midfielder as well. So, yeah, I'd like that versatility. Nothing wrong with that Scotland connection for Liverpool. Always associated to our most successful times. So, um, yeah, Matt, back to you. Fourth choice. Yeah, uh, I need a defender. Uh, that's it's basically between two. Um, I'm just going to edge towards Ben Godfrey. Um, I think I've been impressed with him. Like you say, he's he's been good this season for for Everton. I think there's a lot of of quality. There's a lot of potential in there that is still to sort of come to the come forward with him. I think you could sort of make the case. Certainly, I don't think there's any massive need to, to sort of fill in at fullback or anything like that because I think Simicass and, and Nico Williams could do a decent enough job there but I think that there's a case for, for him being able to do that as well as obviously playing at centre-back as well and uh, I think he, he does tend to play on the left side I think he might be left-footed off the top of my head which I think is is not a bad thing to, to have certainly but uh, yeah again it's just a player I like I don't think he's ever going to be an absolutely elite player but I just think he's he's a very good Premier League player who could be very good backup really for, for Liverpool in that sort of position Understated I think how, how good a season he's had as a debut season you know there was a lot of chat about 
Jamal Lewis and Max Adams last season from Norwich and, and Godfrey just gets snipped up by Everton for 25 million, I think it was. And and he's he's been very, very impressive. And I think I think the other thing as well, okay, it was only it was only a year, but you know, a, a year with a with a coach who's defensively as shrewd as Carlo Ancelotti is gonna do him no harm in his career, Matt, is it? Yeah, I think the the twenty five million I think probably is the reason that he's not been spoken about enough. I think he's done a good job and I think for, for 25 million he's been good value but I think if maybe he'd been a say a 10 or 15 million pound player and he'd perform like that maybe people would sort of have a different perception of him I think he's basically just done what he was bought to do and I think he's he's probably just done a 25 million pound job in, in this sort of market I'm not again sure what his transfer market value would be I assume far far less than that but uh, yeah, I think he, he's he's been good he's, he's been a, a good signing for Everton certainly and they've been very sort of hit and miss in the market but I think he is he's very much a, a hit I think for them absolutely all right a couple of back-to-back picks from you Joel please yeah so I have gone with uh, Max Ahrens from Norwich Um I think of all the areas in Liverpool's squad looking ahead to next season I think I would say lack of cover at right back is probably the biggest weakness that concerns me um, Trent, as I was looking at his numbers earlier, he's played in 74 of Liverpool's last 76 league games. He's averaging close to 4,000 minutes a season. Um, and I just don't think that's sustainable for him or Robertson. Um, we've obviously got the Robertson back up and Simicast didn't get games last season, um, both through injuries and obviously the, what was going on centre back meant that Klopp didn't want to kind of mess around with his fullbacks but I think you will see more of Simicass. Uh I'm less convinced by Nico Williams from what I've seen I'm not writing him off by any means I just feel like I'd rather see him go out on loan and play games um, obviously in reality Aaron's I think he played all but one game in the championship for Norwich last season so actually convincing him to come to Liverpool and, and sit on the bench and play back up would be tough but for the purposes of this in terms of skill set I think he's at, already at a higher level and has a higher ceiling um, than Nico Williams and yeah, I just think it gives you the scope to rest Trent when you need to. So you have him in the best shape for the most important games. Um, and I'm not convinced about the Trent to midfield thing. But if Klopp was ever to consider that, if you've got another really good specialist right back, um, then yeah, that becomes a possibility. Also, Bayern Munich have been linked with Aaron set ages, which I think kind of tells his own story about how good he is. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to how, seeing how he does actually um, when Norwich come back up. Um, so he was my defender pick. I, I consider the likes of Ben White and Godfrey. I think they're good players, but I think Liverpool are pretty well stopped at centre-back now with Canate and obviously the way Phillips stepped up. So And the guys coming back from injury. So, yeah, I've gone for the right-back. And then my fourth one, um, similar to Matt's Neto pick, I suppose it comes with a major caveat that he's currently injured uh, with a long-term problem. Um, so I've only picked him for the purposes of this. But... Uh, I've gone for Eberechi Ezi of um, Crystal Palace, who I was hugely impressed by last season. Um, he started off mostly playing as a kind of left-sided winger and then throughout the season sort of migrated infield and became almost like a, a number eight, number 10 type of player. And he's just a really, really exciting one to watch in what is a pretty dour Crystal Palace team apart from Zaha. Um he looking at his numbers he's I think he's in the 97th or 98th percentile in the Premier League for take-ons and dribbles he loves to go past players on the ball but he also works extremely hard off it and he ends up getting four goals six assists or something like that in the end which is reasonably good um given where Palace ended up in the table and 
at 22 again homegrown I think he's he's got so much to offer and looking at where he might actually fit for Liverpool I think you could play him in the midfield three on the left or the right of the front three or if you're playing 4-2-3-1 any of those three attacking midfield positions um, and he's one that hopefully uh, I think he's done his Achilles tendon which tends to be quite a long time so we probably won't see him until next calendar year most likely but I think hopefully if he gets back to that level um, he's one that will be kind of talked about for, for a while to come so yeah come with the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Matt, your fifth choice? Yeah, there, there's still a few that I'd be interested by. I won't give away all of the names just in case anybody else is going to pick them. Uh, but it is, it's quite a tough one for me to, to, to sort of choose here. Um, I'm going to go for Emi Buendia, who is Shout. a player that I thought Liverpool might have gone for last summer, to be honest. I think he's one of those that maybe you were slightly surprised that didn't leave Norwich last summer. I think, again, it would be a fairly hefty fee, but he can play as that kind of attacking midfielder, the, the Wijnaldum replacement without being like-for-like like type thing that I was talking about before. He can play left and right in a front three and, and has had a, an excellent season once again. I think he will probably move on this summer. I think there's there's definitely a bigger club who would come in for him. I don't necessarily think it would be Liverpool, but he's just a, a player that I love watching, gets decent numbers and is one of those players that I just think, again, it, it could be one of those where Liverpool sort of repeat a rate that they've done in the past. Gone for a player that sort of has, has gone down, maybe isn't a much fancied one, maybe not isn't, maybe isn't one that, that's going to be linked with loads and loads of clubs. But I just think there's something there that I think Jurgen Klopp could work with and I think there's there's certainly something different in Buendia that Liverpool don't already have in the players that they've got. Great shout. Uh, I'd forgotten about him, to be honest. Um, how old are you now, Buendia? 25-ish, I think. Let me have a quick look. 24. So not, not 25 until December. Um, born on Christmas Day, in fact. But yeah. There's got the reasons I need to get him in. Um, <laughs> James, your last choice. Yeah, um, I had Wendy jotted down as well because I, I felt like I had to go through all of the problem areas with the first four picks, the ones where they really needed to strengthen. So now the fifth one was going to be the luxury pick and I was going to go with Buendia. But, um, but yeah, so I like that pick. But along similar lines, just a kind of fun player who you know, has the really high ceiling, so worth getting in. Um, I've also looked at the, the teams coming up and I've gone with Ishmael Asar. Obviously, he was linked heavily last summer. Um, had another fairly solid season in the championship. Um, perhaps didn't rip it up as much as I'd expected. It felt like he might be a bit of a cheat code in the championship, but he's still built on built on his Premier League season. And that definitely feels like one where when you make the step up to a bigger team, he could just sort of explode. Um, stylistically, not far off the likes of Mane. Um, yeah, I just really enjoy seeing him in a Klopp team. If, if he was willing to play as sort of second fiddle to the existing front three, then it could be a really dangerous option. Why do you, why do you think he didn't move last season? And so probably same question because apply to Blendia, but do you think it was more to do with the, the situation or the uncertainty around values? Why did you think he, he stayed where he was and no one took a punt on him? Well, I think with stuff like the parachute payments now and being as strong as they are, when, when teams go down to the championship, they are still in quite a strong position financially. So they can yeah. almost hold their ground on their valuation of him. 
and obviously Watford were saying sort of 40 million for Saar, which which would have been steep. And I can see why why Liverpool would have balked at that with with other options available. But but yeah, so I don't think a season in the Championship would have done him any harm at all, to be honest. So if anything, it makes him more of an appealing asset come this summer. All right, uh, last one from me. Oh God. Um... I must have been the only person who watched Moneyball last night in preparation for this, but um, I, I thought we were under the impression of like in, in true draft style, um, we were going to take, you know, young, unfancied, um, to quote, a, to quote a, a sort of uh, a pun of, of the drafts, uh, college dropout type footballers. So um, <laughs> I've gone for Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, because I, again, I think he's a player who uh, quietly we could mould something in a, in a very Michael Edwards, he's seen something we haven't uh, type of way. I think he's a player I've always liked, to be honest. Uh, I think he's been around for a bit now. But I remember when Firmino scored a hat-trick against Arsenal at Anfield and he opened the score in that night, but he never stopped trying. Um, Does this not contravene the rules, Dan? How? He plays for Arsenal. I thought we were all right with sort of where he finished the season at West Brom. Mind you, yeah, you know, you, you've got a point. Three promoted clubs, not the relegated ones. You've got a point. Okay, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair game. Um, in my defence, I probably just automatically assumed Arsenal finished outside. Uh, <laughs> that's the, a fair assumption. Um, okay, he's out the game. I'll, I'll stop making a case for him. Um Although, you know, even that was on a limb. So, God knows what you're going to get now. Um, there are some decent players left, actually. I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got three left on my list that I think are, yeah. are all right. I'll go, for a, I'll go for an actual West Brom player in Pereira. Um, who, yeah. I Again, think... against the rules. <laughs> oh, is he, where's he on all from? He's at West Brom, but we, we've already done, we're doing players coming up, not. Players oh, now have, championship. Can't have relegated players. I thought we could have relegated and, and teams coming up. Honest to God, Joe, the old rules here. I'm not <laughs> citing them and I can't even. I will let you have it. The, the purpose is Liverpool picking players from lower clubs. So. Nah, go on, he's right. I'm having Maitland Niles then if I can have one. <laughs> uh, well, let's go through some of the shouts, Joe. You've got one left. Got one left, yeah. I mean, the one I picked when I did my original selections was Calvin Phillips of Leeds. Again, yeah. really surprised nobody's gone for him. Just think, really good midfielder. And Liverpool need a midfielder this summer. I think the notion that they won't replace the, the midfielder who's played more games than anyone else over the last five years and rely on Jones being now the one out of replacement, having replaced Lalana, and hoping that Oxlade-Chamberlain and, and Cater somehow fill the void, I think is just shows that lessons wouldn't have been learned from last season. So I think, yeah, buying a midfielder um, is a no-brainer. I think Phillips, he's just been really good for Leeds. He plays mostly as a holding midfielder, but I think he's he's pretty good on the ball as well in terms of his passing and, and everything else under pressure. Um, he's around 25, 26, so he's a good age where you could see him being part of a squad for the next kind of three, four, five seasons. Um, I think he could be the Fabinho deputy. I think you could probably see him playing a number eight as well under sort of the right coaching. Um, so, yeah, which is a pretty easy choice. Um, and now we've got to the end, I suppose, mention a couple of other names that just kind of crossed my mind. One of which is um, Douglas Louise of Aston Villa. I was surprised nobody went for him. I think Man City have an option to buy him back um, for a certain amount of money. I don't know what that is, but 
he's one who I think, yeah, if you're looking at sort of good Fabinho, Henderson kind of stand-ins, um, it wouldn't necessarily cost a fortune, although, again, I don't know what his, his buy clause for City is, um, but again, he's he's at a good age. Um, 25 very million, good. it looks like. Not 25 million, we're getting that that's pretty reasonable for a player of his quality. He was one. Um, no one's gone for a Dharma Traore, um, which is slightly surprising, maybe, given that we've got Sir Maximan and, and players like that in there. Um, and then just to mention one more who I'd written down, um, was Tarek Lamptey as well from Brighton. And everyone seems to have forgotten because he got injured and missed the second half of the season. But in the first few months of the season, he was, he was unbelievable. One of the most exciting players in the league. Um, playing right back, which, as I've said, is an area I'd like Liverpool to have a look at. And I think you'd probably see him doing a job on the left if you needed him to, um, if you weren't satisfied with Simicast. So, yeah, Lamptey was one I thought someone might pick. But Yeah, yeah Lamptey was on my list. Um, throw a couple of other names you had, guys. Throw them forward. Yeah, go on, James. Go on. Oh, cheers. Um, so, yeah, I had Dwight McNeil from Burnley jotted down. Yeah, um, Dwight McNeil jotted down. Yeah, um, I saw a couple of shouts earlier that he could um, he could do a job at fullback, which I think would be an interesting one to watch. I could see that kind of being moulded by Klopp. But even then, his, his more orthodox position further forward is looked very dangerous. Stood out in a fairly defensive team, which is always a good sign, almost like Shakiri-esque when he was carrying Stoke. So, yeah, I could see that being a good one. The crossing is so good, which is obviously useful for, for the way Liverpool play. Um, just to mention Will Zaha, just because I feel bad for him that we've done this whole thing and no one yeah. brought him up. Like, but um, I, I, don't, I wouldn't love him at Liverpool. But you know, the fact that we've gone through a whole draft and not picked one of the standouts from the from the lower end of the table for the last few seasons is potentially surprising. Um, so yeah, I'll give him a mention. I think it's his think, age, isn't it? Really, Zaha buying another front three player who's what twenty nine. Uh, yeah. Given that the, the current front three will get into sort of twenty nine thirty, I think that's yeah, the only thing. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Uh, I think most of my other potentials have been have been nabbed by other people, to be honest. So, so yeah, those are the other two I'd, I'd give a shout out to. Okay, Matt, any more from you? Yeah, Esri Konza is one that I like a lot. Um, I think he's worth a shout uh, in midfield. Ruben Neves is one that gets a shout mm-hmm. with Liverpool. Um, I think for the Pep Linders sort of influence, he worked with him, I think, at Porto when he was sort of growing up as a teenager. And I think if he ever does leave Wolves and, and Liverpool are interested, I think that's one that you could see happening. And just in terms of, of the forwards, Daniel Pedence is one that I like a lot at Wolves. His numbers are not brilliant. I think it's three goals, two assists this season. But just in terms of, of watching him play, his dribbling, his creativity, uh, again, he's one of those that I think finished the season injured, had, I think, two or three months in the middle of the season where he was injured as well. And I think if, if that hadn't have been the case, maybe he'd be slightly up um, on the list as well. Yeah, a couple of, couple of names I had written down. I uh, wouldn't be totally against Morgan Gibbs-White. Um, I don't think he's developed as he should have done, but I think there's a player there still. Joe Willock, by the way. Um, 25 shots, 12 on target, 8 goals this season. Not bad, that. Not bad at all. Um, Still Arsenal, though. Yeah, hence, hence, um, hence me breaking more rules, which I won't <laughs> do. Uh, but a huge thanks to Matt, to Joel, and to James on his first podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. It's been the summer draft. Fun. Thank you. Yeah, enjoy it. Good, good, good. Good. Uh, and do be sure to, to check James's writing out on the website, as we say. Um, I'm off to have a big chat with Guy Clark about Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, and I'll leave you all until next time on, on the Pill.com podcast. Take care and see you soon.
You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.